Hey, it's the True North Football Podcast with Joey Alfieri. Welcome to episode three. The regular season is over. It's uh, time to preview some playoff football. We got a couple games coming up this weekend. The East and West semifinals. The Montreal Alouettes will host the Edmonton Eskimos. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers go to Calgary, take on the Stampeders. Should be two fascinating matchups. And we've got an action-packed show uh, lined up for you here Today, uh, we've got Enoch Mwamba. He's the uh, middle linebacker for the Montreal Alouettes. He's up for the Outstanding Canadian Award. He was the Owls nominee, uh, as well as the nominee uh, for their top defensive player. We'll talk to Mwamba uh, a little bit later on in the podcast. Uh, And we will also speak to former Ottawa Red Blacks kicker, two-time Grey Cup champion Chris Milo, uh, who uh, I spoke to earlier, wanted to weigh in on the Rick Campbell um, and Ottawa Red Blacks parting of the ways. I'm sure Chris uh, has some very interesting thoughts on that, but I did want to start uh, with the playoff action coming up this weekend, specifically in Montreal. And whew, boy, this is uh, this is something. I mean, a lot of people didn't anticipate this matchup at the start of the year because I think I think many CFL fans looked at what the Eskimos did. In the offseason, Trevor Harris, Greg Ellingson, Larry Dean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and they thought that, you know, Edmonton would probably be one of the top three teams in the West. They wouldn't be crossing over. And probably Saskatchewan Rough Riders took their spot. Um, but they're coming in, and it's a bit of a weird situation, right? Like Trevor Harris has only played in one game down the stretch because he's been out with an injury and they kept him out of last week's game in Regina. And there's just all these rumblings about Rick Campbell taking over for Jason Moss. So it just seems like unless Jason Moss goes to the Grey Cup or even wins the Grey Cup, it seems like he's dead man walking, which is kind of weird because you know, I think it's a, it's a winnable game against the Alouettes. Do I expect Edmonton to win? I don't know. I'll tell you later on. I'll make my uh, I'll make my picks uh, for this weekend's games uh, at the end of the show. But I mean, look, the the Eskimos have beaten the Alouettes this season. Uh, I also realized that when they came to Montreal for the second matchup, uh, they were thoroughly outplayed. But I don't know. It seems like you know if there weren't distractions, that this would be a winnable game for the Eskimos. So I mean, it's just there's a lot of. A lot of confusion in Edmonton, and obviously this bodes well for the Montreal Alouettes, who you know come in coming into you know the week, and and you know they've had three games where they haven't really had anything to play for. The only thing they've had to do is stay sharp, and that's what they've done. Uh, Montreal went into Ottawa last weekend, and that's just a sad. I know Ottawa ended up competing, but they go down early. They they no showed in the first quarter, and Montreal pulled a bunch of their players and uh, started some guys who, you know, let's face it, aren't going to be starters unless injuries strike in the playoffs. So uh, Ottawa's still coming up short. They lose 11 games in a row. And uh, like I said, they did, they did, they didn't fire, but they parted ways. Uh, Rick Campbell parted ways with them. We'll get Chris Milo, former Red Blacks thought on that later on. But for Montreal, Sure, Vernon Adams Jr. is is unproven in the playoffs, but I just I, I think we can't 
you know, discount what he's done this year. And pretty much for the most part, I mean, whenever he's played a full game, the Alouettes usually win. And, you know, you think back on the season opener in Edmonton, Antonio Pipkin was the starting quarterback. Vernon Adams Jr. was the backup, which, you know, says something about his training camp because he was really, really good in training camp, but he started camp as the number four quarterback on the on the roster uh, behind Matthew Schiltz, behind uh, Pipkin, who I mentioned, and behind Jeff Matthews, who was cut and really hasn't resurfaced in the Canadian Football League this season. So Pipkin ends up, you know, playing the game, not playing well. Uh, he gets hurt. And Vernon Adams comes in, and the Owls score twice quickly, and all of a sudden you have a tie game at Edmonton in week one. Now they ended up losing. But you see, when Vernon Adams plays, things happen for the Alouettes offensively, and usually things happen in a positive manner. And that's important for a team who hasn't been to the playoffs since 2014, who hasn't had a legit starting quarterback since, you know, I, everyone says Anthony Calvillo, but, you know, before Jonathan Crompton got hurt, uh, Jonathan Crompton really helped turn the Alouettes around. He wasn't a, a starting quarterback in the, you know, gunslinger, uh, going to light you up for 350 every other week since. But, I mean, listen, they, they went to the playoff game and they went to an East final uh, with Jonathan Crompton, and they certainly didn't lose that game because of Jonathan Crompton when Brandon Banks <laughs> brought back a couple of kick returns for touchdowns in 2014. But Vernon Adams Jr. Is, is done a lot. And think about the Alouette's offense without him, right? They end up losing uh, that weather-shortened game at home to Saskatchewan. They end up losing a, a tight game in BC when Matthew Schultz started. And they lost against the Hamilton Tiger Cats a couple weeks ago, but he didn't play the entire game, whereas Dane Evans did. It was a meaningless game. I mean, really, the only real ugly start was in Winnipeg uh, when he threw all those interceptions. But for the most part this season, when Vernon Adams plays, the Alouettes tend to win and they tend to make plays offensively, whereas when he's not there, they don't. So Vernon Adams Jr., a lot to prove going into uh, to this weekend, but... I don't think we should be looking at him as, you know, a true rookie. I think we should look at him as a young quarterback who has grown exponentially since the start of the year. And you'll remember that the second time they played the Eskimos in Montreal, they pulled out, you know, that the the the, the trick play where uh, Eugene Lewis threw the ball uh, to Vernon Adams. He had a receiving touchdown. And sure, I mean, the offense didn't light it up, but they still found a way uh, to get the job done. And on the other side, defensively, they found a way to limit the Edmonton Eskimos offense because the first time those two teams met, yeah, the final score ended up being tight. But you'll remember that the F the Eskimos uh, put up, I think over it was over 600 yards of net offense in that game. So it was big for new defensive coordinator Bob Slowick when the Eskimos came to Montreal for that second matchup to, to limit the damage, and that's what they did. It was a 20-10 to 10 win in July for uh, the Montreal Alouettes. And, I mean, you know, they, they, they really, I thought they dominated the game. And Trevor Harris was 29-43 of 43 for 271 yards, no touchdowns, and 
two interceptions. Uh, they limited the run game. C.J. Gable had eight carries for 33 yards, and the Eskimos didn't run the ball much. But, I mean, that's a respectable total. I think the biggest thing for Montreal is, especially because they're, they're saying it's going to be cold uh, in Montreal, and I'll be working that game for TSN 690 Radio. Uh, you can listen to it online at TSN 690.ca slash Montreal, or TSN.ca slash Montreal. And I'll be on the sidelines, and it's supposed to be cold. It's supposed to be chilly. Maybe there's snow. And the Alouettes, believe it or not, own the top two rushers in the East Division in William Standback and Jeremiah Johnson. Uh, Standback ran, had 13 carries, 47 yards uh, in that game. Jeremiah Johnson had six more for 39 on the ground. But as you probably remember, uh, he had one reception for 43 yards. It was a big play. That set up, I believe they set up a touchdown drive. So, look, the Alouettes have all the tools to get the job done. They they need to find a way uh, to disrupt uh, Trevor Harris and that offense's timing. I think that's the biggest thing because Trevor Harris gets rid of the ball really fast. So you have to disrupt the timing of the receivers. And getting Siante Evans back uh, in the last game, I think that was just that was huge. Uh, we'll see if Tommy Campbell can play. Because uh, Jarner Jones was on the uh, short side corner spot there in uh, in the win over Ottawa on sat on uh, Friday night, but getting Siante Evans back uh, at defensive halfback was was massive for them. Uh, Najee Murray has been pretty good. He had a pick six in the win over Ottawa. I think he'll probably play on the wide side because Ryan Carter, who's been there for most of the year, uh, is is going to be out. He's still on the six game injured list. So if they get Tommy Campbell back and they already have Siante Evans back, that strengthens the secondary even more. But disrupting the timing of the Edmonton offense, limiting uh, the damage that they can do uh, on the ground uh, is going to be big. So uh, I think it's going to be an interesting challenge for that Montreal Alouettes defense. And look, they, they've been better. You know, they, they've gotten better as the, the season has progressed. There's been ups, there's been downs. But I, I want to see what they do against Trevor Harris. Trevor Harris is, yeah, sure, he got to knock the rust off uh, in one game. But he hasn't played a ton. And I'd like to believe what we've seen from Bob Slowick uh, over the last month is that he's uh, a little more willing to throw pressure at the opposing quarterback. So can they, you know, can they figure out a way to get to Trevor Harris? I don't know. Like I said, that ball comes out awfully quick. But... Disrupt the timing of the offense, jam up the receivers, force Trevor Harris to hold on to the ball maybe just a fraction of a second longer, and who knows? Uh, maybe you're uh, when it's all said and done, come four four fifteen Eastern time on Sunday, uh, you're preparing for a trip to Hamilton uh, in the semifinal. And I'm not going to lie to you, no disrespect to Edmonton, but just you know having seen the dislike. Uh, between Montreal and Hamilton, I mean that's the that's the East final I'm rooting for. Uh, Edmonton Hamilton just uh, wouldn't be as sexy of a matchup. So let's see what the Alouettes can do. But joining us right now, he's the middle linebacker for the playoff bound Montreal Alouettes. He's Enoch Mwamba. Enoch, uh, preparations uh, have they already begun for Sunday one o'clock? Yes, they have. Yes, they have. They've begun. Uh, all of us have been eager to. Uh, you know, to to get going, we've been chomping at the bit, and um, we're all excited, man. Extremely excited for for this opportunity that's ahead of us. 
So, look, uh, I know you had certain expectations for yourself and your team coming into this year. Uh, I was not to toot my own horn, Enoch, but I was one of the few that had you guys in second at the start of the year. Uh, but what surprised you about this group just now that it's the, it's the regular season's all said and done? Man, uh, first of all, thank you. <laughs> thank you for the support. Thank you for the encouragement. Um, it's been amazing, the support from the city, the support from, uh, you know, the fans. And, 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 you know, throughout the season, it's been tremendous from the beginning of the season. And uh, uh, it's only been, been uh, amazing. So definitely that has been amazing. You know, the way we've been getting so much love around the city. Um, you know, as, as a guy who's been playing for a while and uh, who's seen kind of the ups and the downs of, of, of you know, this city, this team, um, I think it's been amazing for me to to be able to see kind of um, you know the, the the buzz about the Montreal or what's back in this city mm -hmm. and and I don't know if you've you've been into the stadium or mm -hmm. or been to one of the games. I mean, we've had some exciting games you know all season long. I, uh, you know, I wish I could say that we planned for it to be like that, but we didn't. <laughs> but um, you know, the support has been amazing. I mean, there were some times where you know we had some night games and and people were in a crowd with uh, their phones out and the lights were on I, you know it was just a sight that I had never I hadn't really seen but as far as the team is concerned uh, to be honest with you I, I, um, uh, I, I kind of knew this, the, how special of a group it was and um, um, I, I, I've been amazed by how how close the group has, has stayed um, and, and I think that's really been our secret uh, that's been the secret uh, to our success the fact that that we've been able to, to be so close, the chemistry that we've we've built and we've developed over over the season, uh, and, and 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 you know despite everything that's been going on, you know um, outside and and around uh, the team period, the locker room has been has been super solid. So you're up for uh, you're up for uh, outstanding Canadian and uh, outstanding defensive player. Did you start writing the acceptance speech yet? <laughs> I have not, man, to be honest with you. Uh, first of all, I even forgot about the nominations. And <laughs> oh, come on. Surprise. Um, no, seriously, man. To be honest, I've been playing for nine years. Um, and, and, you know, I can't remember. I, I really, I've gotten at least some type of award at, at, at the end of, of each season I've played in the CFL. And um, I never really remember, but the reason for that is because that, that's never really my goal. It's never really my goal to to get these awards. Uh, I really play because I I love the team, uh, the team that that, I, that I'm on. But at the end of the day, like I said, it was a surprise at the end of the season. Um, uh, specifically, even even with the the defensive uh, player of the year award. I mean, the, there's a reason why I wasn't unanimous. You know, I've been unanimous in the past and. And, and you know I've had great seasons, um, but the, one of the reasons why is because there's so many ballers on our team. There's so many guys that do so many great things, and um, you know you got guys like Greg Reed, you got guys like Patrick Levels, you got John Bowman's on the team, and um, you know he could have gone to any one of those guys. And and you know I really uh, credit the guys that play in front of me for for you know the type of season that I've had this year, and um, you know it's just exciting and. Um, you know, it's definitely an honor. I'm not going to act like it. You know, it's not. It's not. It's not special. It's definitely an honor. Um, but at the end of the day, man, like I said, I'm, I'm really hungry, and I'm and it's for for a championship. You know, um, the last time I played in a championship game as a professional athlete was my rookie year, 2011. And so, you know, that's been my goal and and my only goal, and everything that I've been doing from the beginning of the season has been to kind of get back to that game and give you know 
um, my team another opportunity to, to, to win that. So, like I said, man, uh, my goal has never been to just make it to the playoffs. I've not been to win a specific individual award. But, um, obviously, like I said, it's uh, it's honoring, it's humbling. And, um, you know, uh, if, if I get it, that's great. It's amazing. Um, but if I don't, you know, my my big my goal is to get to the Great Cup and uh, and come back with it. I I think you have a great chance to to come away with both. I think there's a chance there. Uh, which one would be more special to you? Which one would be more special? Yeah, to Canadian me? or defensive um, player? After the Great Cup, it definitely have to be. Uh, man, to be honest with you, they both hold a special place in my heart. Yeah. You know, I think um, just the fact that. Uh, you know, come, be, come, being a, a, a Canadian player, you know, starting playing the game of football kind of late, um, having the kind of people that I've had around me um, and, and the support, I think it'll mean a great bunch, uh, a great, uh, a lot, you know, to get just get that uh, the the the. The Canadian defensive player, uh, Canadian award, as well as defensive player, the words that I can't even put it into into words. Which one would mean more? Um, if I had to toss it up in the air, I'd, I'd probably say uh, defense, defensive player of the year. So I, I I believe that Kahari Jones should be. Listen, I know what Orlando Steinauer has done in Hamilton. I I really feel like Kahari Jones, just given all the the outside distractions that you mentioned earlier, I think he's got to be coach of the year that just that's that's my take i'm sure you feel the same way uh, i'm giving you this platform right now the next few seconds to make the case for kahari man coach jones first of all um he's a he, he's a guy that's always been prepared um and you can see that by when his name was called and 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 you know more of him was asked uh, by the team he was ready um so his preparation is second to none so that's one two um I can't find any guy in the locker room. I'm scanning the locker room right now in my head, and, and there's no one that wouldn't run through a wall for him. You know, um, and, and again, he's an he's a offensive coordinator. He's an offensive mind, but yet he's got guys on the defense that love him. You know, guys just want to talk to him. Guys want to be around him. Uh, guys want to play for him. Um, guys listen to him when he speaks. And, um, you know, he just get, keeps us motivated, inspired. And uh, um, beyond all of that, we all have so much respect, not only for the way that he coaches and the person that he is, but also the career that he's had. So, um, you know, um, I'm de- he's definitely got my vote. But you, you guys make fun of the, the dance, right? Like in close games when he's hot. I don't even know if that's a dance. That's like hopping on the sidelines. You guys that's get that's on him about that, up, right? Man, man as, as much as we laugh about it, man, we love it. We love it. <laughs> Um, it gives us energy. Uh, it, it energizes us, and uh, you know we're able to even play more. When you look to the sideline and you see your coach dancing, you see your coach jumping around, you see your coach encouraging you, and you know that's very unique. You know, I, like I said, I've been playing nine years professionally professional football uh, down in the NFL, up here in, in the CFL as well. I've never seen anything like that, and um, like I said, it's definitely appreciated by all of us. Um, Ryan Brown. You need to find that that clip, but Ryan Brown, I've seen it. you know my defensive lineman, <laughs> is, is is does a perfect impersonation of what you know Coach Kahari looks like when uh, when he's pumped up and ready to go. He dressed up as him for Halloween, right? Yes, he did. He did, and the D line just did kind of a skit for for the whole team on one of the days last week. And uh, like I said, he they had the whole room uh, laughing, and uh, you know that's just kind of the team that we have where. You know, we love to have fun. Uh, we know when it's time to work, 
And we do that. We compete with one another. But at the same time, we're so loose. And Coach Jones harped on that actually this morning. He said, guys, we're not going to change just because, you know, it's the playoffs. Uh, as serious as, as, as a matter of that, as that is, um, we're still going to have fun. We're still going to uh, be loose. We're not going to tighten up. He said that he's been on teams where people kind of change because playoffs begin. And he said that's not what he wants. And so I, th- I thought it was a great message. And, um, you know, it's great for who we are. So, all right, getting down to business. You guys played Edmonton week one. It was tight. Um, but you, the, as a defense, you guys had given up over 600 yards of offense. The second time when Edmonton came here, I mean, you guys gave up virtually nothing. I, I know, you know, Bob Slowick had a couple more weeks under his belt the second time. But what was the major adjustment you guys brought the second time you played Edmonton to limit their offense? Well, first of all, we're just a completely different team, um, a completely different team. Um, again, we Coach Slow, uh, he's another guy who um, we love, who's inspiring, who's motivating, and uh, who, when he speaks, everybody listens. When I say everyone, everybody listens. And so, um, you, you know, we love to we, – we play for him as well. So, um, as a defense, man, we, we've grown, we grew so much from the first game to, to the second time we played against Edmonton. And uh, and beyond, of course. Um, but one of the major differences is just the fact that we started to 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 know our roles. Um, I always say this when I talk about Coach Slow. Um, first of all, I love his humility, his approach to the game. You know, we talk about people who have knowledge of the game and experience in the game. He's coached for for twenty plus years. Um, and um, what I appreciate about him is his humility that he brings when he he, he coaches. Uh, one, he's not afraid to say he made a mistake. Um, which is not always the case with coaches, you know, at the pro level. Um, two, he um, he's open to to um, to advice. He listens to not only his coaching staff but also his veterans on the team. Uh, not to say that you know uh, we dictate what happens on the field or what you know what happens as far as his play calling. But he's 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 so open to listening. He asks for for what we like and and for feedback. Which like again, like I said, you don't always get that in a coach uh, when uh, when uh, when you're in the pros. So uh, we all appreciate that. We love that, and um, um, you know we recognize that. And so um, for to be able to play for a guy like that, you know, it's uh, it's definitely amazing. All right, uh, finish this uh, thought for me. You guys will win on Sunday if we win on Sunday if we execute. Um, we've, we've, like I said, we've grown so much. Um, one of the things that I've been preaching to the guys since we, we clinched the playoffs was one playoffs was never the goal. So not be satisfied with that. But two was that, you know, there was so much more that we could still gain from the season within the last three games that, uh, would be beneficial for us, um, moving into the playoffs. And we did, we grew so much. We learned so much. Um, between ourselves, but we, you know, we learn about different ways to communicate. Uh, we learn about different ways to, uh, to you know, execute certain things. And uh, um, I think that our execution is going to be what is going to separate us between, um, you know, our team and, and, and Edmonton. So if we go out there and execute, I think it's going to be um, – uh, a really good game. All right, I'll leave you with this, Enoch. I need some help. I need some advice. My buddies and I have, uh, where we have a playoff pool going, and so we've got to predict the CFL bracket here. I just, I want to know how far, how far should I put the Alouettes here in this bracket? Now you gotta, you gotta. If you want to <laughs> win, you gotta put us all the way, man. We gotta put us all the way, man. We're confident. We uh, we believe in ourselves, and uh, uh, like I said, we got something special, man. That that can't be uh, duplicated.
I appreciate the advice. Uh, I might take you up on that, Enoch. Thanks for doing this, man, and uh, all the best on Sunday. Thank you. You might you might not have a lot of people who who believe in this in you as well, but um, you know it's going to be that much sweeter at the end. I didn't have a lot of people believing me believing in what I was saying at the beginning of the year, and you guys helped prove me right. So I appreciate it. Exactly. <laughs> Thank Thanks, so Enoch. Thank you. Me. There goes Enoch Wamba, middle linebacker for the Montreal Alouettes, who have that big game. Sunday afternoon, 1 p.m. Eastern time, as they take on, as they host the Edmonton Eskimos. And and usually that crossover team has a has a tough time out east. Uh, maybe it's the, the time change. They're, you know, they're coming out. It's an early east game. And so there's, you know, Edmonton a couple hours behind. So who knows? Uh, it should be a fascinating matchup. Trevor Harris against that defense should be uh, basically the chess match. Bob Slowick. Jason Moss and company, that's that's the chess match that I'm looking uh, to keep an eye on. I want to shift gears a little bit here. I want to talk about what went down in uh, in the nation's capital earlier this week with uh, Rick Campbell and the Ottawa Red Blacks parting ways. And I saw where uh, the Red Blacks are planning on paying the final year of, of Rick Campbell's contract. And I mean, are they going to actually have to pay it out? I have no idea if he gets another job. Do they still pay it out? I don't know. But I tell you that, you know, just from the outside looking in, and this has been no secret, this has been widely reported that the relationship between Rick Campbell and GM Marcel Desjardins has been, I don't know, is it fair to say that it's uh, it was fractured? Yeah, sure, it was fractured. But look, losing brings all of this to the forefront, right? You go three and 15 and all of this stuff is going to come out. And all of a sudden, you know, Rick Campbell's patience with Marcel, it's shorter. And now he's, you know, he wants to leave. Look, if the Red Blacks are a winning team this year, does this all come out? I don't know. Does Rick Campbell leave? Probably not. But I'd imagine that a lot of this tension and this friction stems from all the players that they ended up losing. And, you know, Trevor Harris, Greg Ellingson, uh, William Powell, Sir Vincent Rogers. I mean, they lost, and there's others. I mean, they lost guys. They, they lost a lot of guys. And I think the biggest miscalculation in Ottawa, I think, is they thought of themselves. And listen, that's a, that's a talented front office with uh you know Marcel Desjardins and uh, Jean-Marc Edme I mean that that is you know they can they can pump out talent there like let's let's be honest here just because they had a bad year doesn't make those guys uh, any worse at their job they took a risk and I think the risk that they felt comfortable taking last winter was they felt Again, this is just me reading the situation from the outside looking in. I think they thought of themselves as the New England Patriots a bit. I think they looked at the situation and said, we have backups who have been in the system for years. Dominic Davis has been there for a while. You know, Dominic Rimes, RJ Harris, Moses Madu started the year as the running back. Like You have guys who were waiting in the wings that had been there for a while. And I think they thought that their scheme could support interchangeable parts. Now, of course, New England Patriots don't let Tom Brady walk. And I'm not comparing Trevor Harris to Tom Brady. But he's a very good CFL quarterback. 
He's missed a good chunk of, of time this season due to injury. And, I mean, the Eskimos are still in the playoffs. But that's probably where a good deal of the frustration comes from if you're Rick Campbell. But the relationship, I, I, I really thought that the most interesting quote from Rick Campbell uh, earlier this week was, there's too, way too many people leaving Ottawa and leaving the Red Blacks with a bad taste in their mouth. And again, we'll get Chris Milo's thoughts on that, former Red Black kicker, a two-time Grey Cup champion. Uh, he joined me uh, in, a, in an interview a little bit earlier, and we'll play that for you later on. But, you know, Milo will had a bad experience leaving Ottawa, and he'll share his experience. And again, that's just, you know, that's one person's experience, and you have to keep that in mind. But I think you'll be interested to hear uh, what he has to say in just a couple of minutes here. Uh, but... You know where do the Red Blacks go from here? I I, I always found it I always found it funny, and the the people at uh, TSN 1200 in Ottawa and I'll, and I'll make the drive from Montreal to Ottawa to catch a couple games, uh, here and there. Um, went there I believe twice this year. Saw uh, Montreal play Ottawa, and also saw uh, Edmonton. I saw Edmonton Ottawa as well, and you know that fan base deserves uh, credit for you know supporting them during a tough year but i always found it funny even in previous years when the red blacks were good how quickly uh, you know fans calling into a tsn 1200 post game showed oh you gotta get rid of the coach and get rid of the general manager and like guy like you know they had a, a tough expansion year and even that year if you remember i mean they kept a lot of games close but since then all they've done is go to great cups win a great cup so you have to give Marcel Desjardins and the guys credit in that front office. And, and I want to give Rick Campbell credit too because they've put together a winner and they put one together in a hurry. Now, how quickly can they get this thing back on the rails? That remains to be seen. But you can't dismiss what those guys have done in Ottawa because they deserve a lot of credit uh, for that success. But as for you know people leaving Ottawa with a bitter taste in their mouth, yeah, that's a problem. And I was trying to remember, you know, just have I ever seen a CFL coach, you know, leave a team and just see all that positive reaction on social media? Like there are so many players chiming in on Instagram, on Twitter about just how positive an influence Rick Campbell was in that locker room and how much respect they had for him and how much they loved playing for him. So listen, Marcel Desjardins is going to get to hire the next guy. Uh, he uh, he better hit a home run like he did the first time. But I think regardless of what happened last winter, you have to give him the benefit of the doubt because he is the one who built the roster and he's the one who found Rick Campbell and decided that, you know, this would be the guy to lead the Red Blacks into battle and, and they had a lot of success. So our next guest, two-time Great Cup champion, former Ottawa Red Black, Chris Milo. Chris, thanks for joining us, man. How are you? My pleasure. I'm doing great, man. And yourself? I'm doing well, doing well. I mean, it's it's a busy time of year. Uh, CFL playoffs kicking off, and uh, the first domino in the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks offseason uh, fell already uh, earlier this week when uh, Rick Campbell decided that he was going to part ways uh, with the Red Blacks. I mean, just your reaction to that having played for him. Yeah, very, um, very surprised, obviously, by the reaction. Um, but uh, you know, after 
after all that was uh, that I've heard and that I've seen, um, not surprised, I guess, at the end uh, by by what you know the reasons that he gave, and um, you know I. You can see by all the players that have played for Rick, uh, myself, uh, Hank. I mean, we're all we're all supporting him. Uh, we'd go through a brick wall for that guy. He's someone who, who you know, really got the best out of us, and um, got the best out of us because he really, he really genuinely cared for who we were as people, not not necessarily as football players, but as people, as you know, for our families, whether it's you know our lives outside of football. And he respected us, and we respected him. And, um, you know, that's that's what made it so easy to play for him, and that's why we were successful. And, um, you know, it just sucks to see him um, have to move on in this in this manner, especially, you know, he, he embraced Ottawa. Ottawa's home. Um, you know, you saw the emotion that he had on his face today. And, um, you know, Rick is he's a very emotional guy, but he keeps everything inside. And, um, you know, when he displays emotion it uh, really goes to show how much he really cares and uh, how much it really meant to him and um, you know seeing him that way kind of made me feel a certain way as well so it's uh, it's, it's tough because he's a great person um, he's a great football coach and uh, I'm sure he'll land on his feet very quickly okay so I, I saw today he mentioned on the TSN 1200 in Ottawa that too many people are leaving the red blacks with a bad taste in their mouth. Um, mm-hmm. Does 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 that apply to you? And, and did that surprise you in any way to hear that? Um, no, not surprised at all. And yes, it does apply to me. Um, it applies to many of us, as you can see. Um, uh, but no, not surprised. All right. Well, well what happened? Well, explain maybe in your situation. What happened in your situation? Well, listen. I mean, there's a lot of different things. Um, you know, from my integrity being put into question. From um, you know, talking about me lying about injuries, uh, for not wanting to play in certain games, uh, you know, stuff like that. Mentioning my, my daughter in the paper, for instance, uh, saying that she was an issue for, for struggling performances or, or poor performance. Well, who, who did that? Uh, uh, Marcel. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, just small things, you know, small things are really, you know, they, they shouldn't affect you, but they do. At the end of the day, he is your boss, and uh, you know when you read things that, oh well, you know Chris had a baby and other issues, and it's kind of like, well, well, how are we supposed to interpret that? You know, I had a baby, I had other issues. Okay, so my baby's an issue. That's that's interesting, um, especially after it took us uh, seven years to have some. So, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's tough. It's tough on you. It's tough on you as a football player when. You know, all you, all you really see is, um, or I should say, you don't really have the support of your of your boss, and and he speaks publicly and, and affects your family. It affects everything. You know, so it's uh, it's very tough. So I mean, uh, a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people have hinted at it, right, Chris? That like, yeah. there's been a there's been there's an issue between the head coach and the general yeah. manager. I mean, like, do you believe that? And did you see yeah. that in any way? Yeah, I mean, you know, again. There's no, there wasn't. I mean, for me, I, you know, I kind of minded my own business. Try tried to mind my own business, but uh, you know, I'm Italian, so I don't keep my mouth shut very often. Um, and I do have opinions, as you can see. But uh, you know, it's it's bit me in the butt one, you know, a few times. But do I regret it? No, because you know, I I say what I have to say, and whether you like it, you like it, and if you don't, you don't. That's just who I am. So um, at the end of the day, you know, again, coming coming back to the things that were said about me. 
Um, you know, you can speak about me all you want, speak about me as a player, as a person, um, but don't mention my family. Uh, don't mention my daughter. Don't mention anybody else but me. Um, and that was kind of where I lost respect for Marcel, and uh, that was kind of where I started to drift away. And, um, yeah, and, you know, kind of it, it, it was what it was uh, towards the end, and I told him what I had to say. Obviously, he didn't appreciate that, but, you know, again, I didn't appreciate what was said about me. So, um, obviously, I... I wasn't even invited to the Grey Cup party. Uh, I didn't even get my, I got my ring through a security guard outside the stadium. I mean, I wasn't even allowed in the stadium. So it's, uh, it just sucks. It just sucks that that's the way they want to run their organization. And it just sucks, again, to see good people like Rick having to part ways um, when perhaps he's not the problem. But did you ever see? But did you ever see friction specifically, uh, like Rick and and Marcel? Like did did no. that ever? But that never no. manifested itself. No, never really saw them. You know, behind closed doors in the sense where they have their they do their own thing. Um, you know, obviously they they try to keep something uh, professional when they're with us, and we never saw any of that stuff. Uh, we never really looked for it either in that sense. So, right. um, whatever they had between them is between them. Um, but when you hear certain things and you, you know, you, you see kind of how things are, um, you know, to having, you know, having Rick not even meet with Marcel to tell him and having Rick meet directly with ownership to tell them that he's leaving. And that just goes to show, um, you know, what people think of him. So it's just unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. So, I mean, look, I mean, three and 15 was, was, a, a, I mean, it's a disastrous season i i know you're not there anymore but i know you're still following you know you yep. follow the league as a whole i mean mm-hmm. just your from your thoughts on on why it got so bad like why is this a 3 and 15 football team well listen i mean um i think you can take a, a someone who doesn't even understand the game of football and you say well we're going to take away your best receiver your best lineman your best running back and oh probably one of the best quarterbacks in the league and we're not going to replace them with anybody uh, let's see how that plays out. You know, you can you can ask a peewee football player, and they'll give you the same they'll give you the same answer. We're not going to be successful. Well, no kidding. I mean, at the end of the day, and and fans in Ottawa, okay, you know, maybe Ottawa's only been or the Red Blacks have only been back since since 2014, but Ottawa has had pro football, and the fans in Ottawa are very knowledgeable. They understand this. They see this, and when they don't see anything being done about it, well. How do you not blame the person that's supposed to be managing the team? I mean, it's you can take Bill Belichick and you know give him a pee wee football team, but he ain't going to beat the Cowboys tonight. You know, it's it's very simple. You know, so give help your help your team out. Have a relationship with your head coach. Ask him what he needs. This is what football is about. Football is the ultimate team sport, and not only on the football field as athletes, as players, but as a as an organization, as a group, you know, and, you know, take the Alouettes, for example, look what Carrie Jones is doing with that organization, what he did to help turn that ship around. Uh, he was the right man for the job. People bought in and he put people around them that, you know, he trusted and they don't even have an owner, you know, they don't even have a GM. They're working together as a group and look at the product that it's giving. When you have one guy pulling one way and the other guy pulling another, well, you're going to have friction, and it's eventually it's going to break, and that's what happened today. Thanks for doing this, Chris, man. Appreciate the honesty and appreciate the time. It's my pleasure. 
That was former Red Blacks kicker Chris Milo. A lot to digest there. Uh, again, there's there's two sides to every story, but that's a that's a heavy, uh, heavy story uh, from uh, from Chris Milo. So, look, the the Red Blacks have their work cut out for them this winter. Does it mean that I think they're going to go out and and spend foolishly in free agency? No, probably not. But uh, will they make a call to uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli? Maybe. If everything checks out with his knee, possibly. I do think an underrated storyline in Ottawa, though, uh, losing Jamie Elizondo, the offensive coordinator, right before the start of the season, that really that put everybody behind the eight ball. It, I mean, it, it it really did. And that's why I think to tie it into the Alouettes, Kahari Jones uh, was the offensive coordinator and the play caller, so it's a little bit different when he took over as head coach. But... You know, you lose your head coach, you fire Mike Sherman six days before the season, and Kahari Jones steps in, throws his own wrinkle uh, in the offense, and the Owls take off. Now, Kahari Jones did have that experience, and, you know, no disrespect to uh, to the people in Ottawa and Winston October and the gang, but it just it, offensively it never clicked, and it probably had something to do with the fact that Elizondo left for the XFL uh Really, really late into the offseason. And, you know, the guys in Ottawa, the cold play callers, uh, they, they they struggled and they didn't really have it's not, but it's not really their fault. They weren't put in that position to succeed just given what happened uh, with Jamie Elizondo. So, I mean, it's just it's been another wacky week uh, in the CFL. It's been absolutely crazy. And it's going to be even crazier this weekend with a couple of playoff games. Uh, my picks for this weekend I'm going with Montreal at home, and I'm going with Calgary at home. I think both home teams going to end up winning. Um, I think it, Winnipeg has a better chance with Zach Caleros, but I, but I, I feel like still Calgary's been there, done that. They know how to win these games. I think it'll be tight. Uh, but I do think that uh, the Stampeders are going to get the job done. Thanks for uh, listening to the True North Football Podcast with Joey Alfieri. Again, this has been Episode 3. We'll be back next week. We're breaking down what happened this weekend, and we'll preview the East and West semis. Uh, don't forget, you can find me on Twitter, at Joey Alfieri. My DMs are open. You have a question. You have a comment. I know people have already been sending me messages, uh, giving me some really good feedback on the podcast. Uh, open to uh, any type of comments, uh, constructive criticism as well. Uh, if you have any questions about the CFL, the Alouettes in particular, or you just want to react to uh, some of the interviews uh, that you may have heard today. Again, Enoch Mwamba, fantastic middle linebacker for the Alouettes, joined us. And Chris Milo, former kicker uh, in the CFL, two-time Great Cup champion, did as well. Uh, have a great week, everybody. Enjoy the opening round, the opening weekend of playoff football in the CFL.